All right, hello everyone. Um, different face, yes. Um, I'm, I'm up here, you know, maybe usually at the end of service. So this is very new uh, for, for many of you. Um, and it's been a long time coming for me. Uh, my name is John, I'm one of the overseers here at Savior. I wanted to just give 10 seconds just to give you just something about myself. Um, yeah, I'm one of the overseers here and I'm married to Kat. We have two boys, uh, three and one. And um, yeah, the last time I was up uh, at the pulpit was in October of 2019, okay? So almost two years ago. And I would say, you know, looking out in the crowd, maybe not even half of you guys were there at that time, right? So there was a thing called the pandemic and um, it took place and, you know, like everything changed. But part of that was, you know, our focus then was to really be invested in our small groups, right? Um, in our small groups, pretty much the whole church would gather virtually, you know, on Sundays and midweek. And um, that was kind of like as much as we knew of the church, those faces, right? We were very siloed in those small groups. Um, but, you know, throughout the pandemic, we grew steadily. And in the past year and a half, you know, um, maybe you come out to, to outdoor service and uh, maybe you see my updates on Facebook or something like that, or you see me and we said hi before. Uh, but I wanted to use this opportunity today, just as one of the leaders of this local body, to share with you a personal conviction, right? Um, a lot has happened since October 2019. Uh, one being, you know, I have, I'm a dad of two now, um, and that's definitely changed my life. Um, but there's a lot of things that God has been teaching me, and I want to provide just some of those details, kind of color it in for you about how I've been doing, and even things I've been struggling with, okay? Um, so since I'm up here really once in a blue moon, please listen carefully. Um, let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father God, um, it's great to see everyone. Uh, but we want to come, God, uh, for the purpose to worship you, to serve you, uh, to be reminded of your goodness through Jesus today. Um, as we open your word, God, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts a reverence, um, a wrestling, God, of the things that uh, you are working within us, Show us, God, of how we need to be transformed by the renewal of our mind, how we need to um, leave from this place, God, different than how we have come in. <clears throat> Lord, um, yeah, we're thankful for your word that it pierces through heart and soul, um, that it reads us, that allows us, God, to see uh, how we need Christ. And I pray that would be apparent uh, today, as we go through this passage, we name and pray, amen. All right, um, we're going to be in Luke 10 today. Uh, we'll have the, the passages up, but if you want to turn to Luke 10, 38 through 42. Okay, and I'm going to read through the passage. Uh, we'll have a lot of other supplemental passages for today. Luke 10, 38 through 42 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Yeah, maybe you've heard this passage before. Um, it's very famous. Pat just kind of like gave a summary already while he was, he was praying. But, you know, we're going to go through like the real deal, right? Um, this, this sermon is going to be... Um, organized into two main sections. The first one is called Distracted Martha, okay? And you could probably guess what the second one is. Uh, But let's start in verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed into her house. So Martha and Mary, sisters, lived in Bethany. And Martha welcoming Jesus, right? She's, this is kind of displaying her kind of proactive and hospitable personality. And we're gonna jump down to learn more about Martha in verse 40. Uh, but Martha was distracted with much serving. So I just want to give kind of like a baseline around the, the biblical concept of serving others. Okay, what does the Bible say about serving others, right? So um, first, serving is a proper response of worship when we experience God's mercy through the gospel, right? Um, not only that, but Jesus was the greatest servant to all. Right? Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a, as a ransom for many. And so knowing that Jesus is our example, we are to use our gifts and resources to meet others' needs, and that's a good thing, right? God commanded us to do that, right? 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. But in Martha's case, right, um, serving was something that she was distracted with, according to the passage, right? So when we say distracted, I think we use that term, you know, very commonly, which for the most part means the same thing, right? And let's just break it down. To be distracted means that you are being drawn away from something and toward something else, right? Something that is of less significance, right? So one distinction I want to make here in the description of Martha is that the author uses the word distracted, right? And distracted is to describe Martha's state of being, Right? She was drawn away, and I don't want to just kind of assume and just mix things up and say that Martha had a distraction. Martha had many distractions in her life, which were circumstantially outside of her. You know, um, That may be the case, but this is a description about Martha her- herself. And so in, the, and in terms of what is her actual life and current situation look like, right? Yeah, she's probably really busy, right? A lot of output jumping from here to there, serving, scrambling around from one thing to another. Um, but being distracted is, right, of a description of who she is versus just having a lot of distractions, okay? Small nuance there. Um, <clears throat> so if you didn't know already, already about me, um, and like I said, I, I, I'm still getting to know many of you guys. Um, I've always been a Martha type. Um, I'm very task-oriented. I'm, I'm preoccupied with endless to-dos. 
And in some ways, I feel like it's just kind of my nature. It's kind of how God has made me. Um, and with that, you know, I've learned how to accept that, how to work with it, how to um, leverage it, you know, even for the kingdom, for spiritual purposes. Um, but like Martha in this past year and a half or, or longer, right, I would say I've been distracted with much serving as well. Serving, which is a good thing in itself, as I mentioned earlier, right, can be twisted, right? It can become a stumbling block that drawn, has drawn me away and Martha, right, to something else, right, that is less significant. And so if you're a Martha type like myself, I want to just run through just a couple of descriptions um, for those of us who are distracted with much serving, so we're kind of aware, okay? And I would say that, like, as much as I'm going through a couple of points here, you know, I don't want everyone to assume that, like, oh, yeah, this is me, okay? So, you know, re really reflect and evaluate it as we kind of go through them, okay? Uh, first description is that Martha types are busy, uh, with never-ending to-do lists, right? Um, there's always something that needs to be done, and when one thing is done, it's great, that's, that's awesome, but then two things kind of pop up, right? Um, it's just kind of a non-stop, and th there is no, like, done, ever. Uh, another description is that Martha types will hide behind serving others in order to avoid some uncomfortable realities. If I'm really honest, Right? When I'm serving others, it's really easy to hide behind, oh, I'm, 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 I'm handling this right now. Right? Um, not only am I distracted from more important things like my relationship with, my, with God or my family, right? I actually look for, I welcome some of these distractions right? so that I don't have to deal with some of these deeper, more burdensome problems that challenge me emotionally, relationally. Okay. So serving, for me, for, for Martha types, I think it can be a very much a natural coping mechanism to escape reality, right? It temporarily removes or like neutralizes those emotions, the conflict going on in my life when I'm just focused on that task. A third description is that um, Martha types believe that we are irreplaceable, right? We think, if I don't do this, other people who are dependent upon me or my service won't be able to experience how God could use us to bless them, right? Others can't do what I do, like, I'm good at it. My last um, description for Martha Types is that uh, we align our identity to our performance. So subconsciously, right, within my mind and many of our minds, right, there's this works or achievement-driven identity. Okay, a works achievement driven identity where we say high performance, right, equates to a high standing before God or others. Inversely, a low performance equates to a low standing or spiritual immaturity, right? We don't necessarily would say, oh, I'm saved by works, right? We won't just be fooled by that, right? But works is how we can often identify and evaluate our spiritual health, right? And, and our spiritual maturity, right? The more we can take on, the more mature I am. Some of the thoughts, you know, when we, when we think about just aligning our identity with our performance is, uh, what will others think of me, right? Will I be judged or looked down upon? Another thought is, you know, I, I need to be an example for others to follow, right? And um, in some ways, you know, that, that, that is 
that is true, um, especially for leaders, right? Um, but the motivation behind that, right, can be very much caring about our appearance and not worshipful obedience. And so, you know, with that, I I'm preaching to myself here in that this works-driven mentality, this desire for achievement of who I am, it's dangerous. It's unbiblical. It's anti-gospel, right? It stems from that same rooted sin of trusting in our merits, right? A merit-based self-righteousness instead of trusting in God's grace through Christ's righteousness. So instead of living according to, you know, Old Testament laws, because that's just so weird and Jewish, right? We don't please God that way, but we mark the types, we'll just create our own religious churchianity laws, right? Because those we can calculate, those we can evaluate, right? Those we will try to abide by. So across these four, you know, I confess that, you know, every one of these, um, yeah, they describe me at some point in this past two years. Uh, seasons of it, it's not like a constant thing, but um, I, I felt them, I've, I've identified them. Okay, now, uh, for many of you, I, I would not say that you're, you're the Martha types and distracted by serving, right? So what does that do with you? Um, I'm just gonna throw this out there, a little bit of a tangent. Um, you're not Martha types in this church because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of opportunities for members um, to still serve in, right? I'm just throwing this out there just as kind of like a wedge in. And I'm kind of saying this half joking, but I'm also half serious in this way. But, you know, in our church, it seems like whenever we serve food, it's always like the same five people that sign up when Christine begs them, right? Um, our prayer team right now consists of four people, one which is me, and one is Ruth who's leaving for missions, right? An opportunity there, members. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but our website has not been updated since we launched two years ago uh, in terms of content. I mean, I, I update the, like, the YouTube links and stuff for, for live stream, but there isn't much going on there, you know? Um, so I don't want to go off on too much on a tangent, but I just wanted to say, if you're a member, there's plenty of opportunity to serve. Throwing out there, okay? Uh, but like I said, many of you guys are not distracted by serving, right? That's, you're not the Martha types, right? Perhaps there's other distractions, though. Okay, and so here's just a rough list that I just want to throw out there. Maybe one of these will stick with you. Another, other ways to be distracted. One is to work hard to provide for ourselves, our families, our careers. Maybe it's raising our kids with every ounce of patience and energy. Maybe we're distracted by filling ourselves with endless entertainment and leisure. Maybe we're distracted by protecting our first world comforts and security. Perhaps it's striving for power or authority in a team and organization. Maybe it's learning new knowledge to skill up or to be resourceful. Maybe it's that you need to stay up to date with the latest content from lifestyle influencers or professional thought leaders. Maybe you're distracted with, I need to gain status. I need to be recognized by my peers or people who I respect. And maybe I'm distracted even by just building deeper friendships and community. Right? That's, that's a possibility as well. It's no surprise that we are easily distracted when it comes to sin issues, right? But the difference is that we must carefully discern when a good thing causes us to be distracted. So regardless of what you are distracted by, I just want to talk about when we are distracted, right? And things don't go our way. What happens? 
Okay? A few things. One, I would say, is that our perspective towards God and others becomes misguided. We're going to go back to verse 40, and this is Martha speaking, and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So from Martha's perspective, right, it's very self-centered. Instead of being God or other-centered, right, she's looking to herself. You also get the sense that she's victimizing herself here, okay? Her tone that she's using is accusatory. She assumes this sense of abandonment, and she's implying that the lack of support from either Mary or Jesus for her service equates to a lack of care or compassion from Jesus. So like Martha, when we have thoughts, you know, when things don't go our way, we're distracted, right? We're going to think like, God, why do I have to deal with this burden, right? Why, why not someone else? Why me? Jesus, why do others get to be recognized? But I don't. We're going to go to verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. When we're anxious, uh, when we're distracted, right, to feel anxious and troubled, I think makes sense. Um, We've all felt, you know, anxiety to some degree, being troubled in our mind and our spirits, right? And so I just want to be explicit. I want to unpack this a bit, right? Um, To be anxious, to be troubled, right? It's this careful and this consuming worry. It runs through your thoughts, your emotions repeatedly, and it just feels like this heavy burden weighing down on us emotionally, physically, right? You just feel it. So having an outlook like this that is anxious and troubled, it's not rooted in faith. It's rooted in fear. But with that, Jesus has many responses to combat when we are anxious and troubled. Okay, we're going to look at some of them. And it's a lot of them. And praise God for that, okay? Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body. What you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Matthew 6, 32, 33. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. John 14:1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. John 14, 26 through 27. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that all that I have said to you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.
Church, how powerful, how critical it is, it is for us to know God's word, what he has spoken about being anxious and troubled, right? We must cling to the promises here when we are distracted, when we're anxious, when we're troubled, and the Holy Spirit will bring these truths to our remembrance, right? To combat, to defend, and to deliver us from fear to faith. Some application for, for our distraction, right? For being distracted. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to, what, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the tests? Okay, so some application points. Uh, one, evaluate if you're distracted. Right? I think um, there's a difference of evaluation and just admitting. I think everyone's like, hey, yeah, I'm distracted, right? But like, really evaluate, right? Identify why these distractions exist. How will you repent of them? And not just confess, right? But turn away from the distractions. Pursue godly obedience. That is repentance. And thirdly, recognize that when you are distracted, right, this will twist and taint your outlook on God, on others, and yourself. So in contrast to distracted Martha in this passage, Mary is described here as devoted. So this is our second section. Devoted Mary. Um, <clears throat> I have three observations for us of Mary as she's sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to Jesus' teaching, and that describes her to be devoted or having devotion. Okay, we're gonna jump to verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. First observation is Mary's priority. Verse 42 says, but one thing is necessary, Jesus is speaking, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Okay, first observation is Mary's priority. So Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet to listen, right? And she chose this over serving with Martha or even socializing with others, right? In other passages, um, in, in their family, in this village of Bethany, right? Um, their family was connected with other, uh, within the Jewish com community, okay? So this is a clear choice by Mary. Jesus says one thing is necessary. And so there's an emphasis that we wanna just contrast here a bit. It's that singularity, one thing, right? It's a necessity. This is one must have compared to the many things that is troubling Martha's mind. So our choices as believers aren't simply just, hey, I, either I commit this sin or avoid this sin, I just gotta like, don't do sin, right? Uh, but it's more than that, right? Our choices as believers is about whether are we pursuing God or pursuing something else we value. First John 2, 15 through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Our choices ultimately reflect what we treasure. Whatever we treasure, we will then naturally prioritize, 
And so Mary properly treasured and prioritized to be with Jesus and to listen to him. Okay, second observation is Mary's purpose to abide. So Mary's purpose was to personally connect with Jesus and to abide in him. Jesus uses this plant or tree analogy to describe the dynamic of his relationship with his disciples in John 15. We're gonna skip over to there, verses four to five. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, we are the branches, unless it abides in the vine, who is Jesus. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. So we don't maybe use the word abide, right, in our common everyday conversations, but to abide is to remain. It's to continue to be with, to be connected to, right? And so Jesus is describing here that a strong connection is a necessity in order to be fruitful in this vegetation analogy, right? That the life-giving nutrients will be transferred from the vine to the branches. In reality, in our lives, in the spiritual sense, Jesus is teaching that in order for us to joyfully glorify God, we have to be connected to him. We have to abide in him through keeping of his commandments, okay? So let's go to further down in John 15 to verses 10 through 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. As Mary sat, and listened to Jesus' teaching, it enabled her to know Jesus' commandments, to obey them, to abide in his love with full joy. <clears throat> During quarantine, um, you know, broke out March 2020, um, Logan's daycare preschool was, was shut down like everything else. And so we spent over a year together at home, right? And sometimes, you know, we would go to parks, uh, we would come out to outdoor service. Um, and, you know, like with, uh, at that time, he was two, three, mm, he's three now. Two? Yeah, two. Um, <laughs> math. At that time, um, it's very hard, right? He's going through his like terrible twos, you know, toddler stuff, gotta chase him around, gotta like reinforce things. Um, I was working from home, Kat was working from home, and you know, um, as, as hard as it was day in and day out, and then we had Miles in May of 2020, a couple months later, right? Um, man, it, it challenged us so much, but I am so grateful that I lived through that. Um, God put that, you know, not COVID, but you know, just forced me to live that, through that life experience. Um, and if, People ask me, hey, would you do it again? Would you, would you quarantine with your family like for a year again? Um, work from home, deal with all that? I would say yes. I, I don't want COVID to come back, okay? But I'm just saying that that experience for me, um, I'm so grateful for it. Well, why? Because it caused our family to be very tight-knit. We were bound together through a lot of good moments and plenty of hard ones, right? Plenty of ones were just like fed up and just like, we need to talk to other people in person somehow, you know? 
<clears throat> so a couple months ago, uh, we were able to put him back into preschool, uh, June of 2021, so a little over a year. Um, and this was, we knew it was gonna be transition for him. And when it came time to actually bring him, you know, drop him off, right? Like, I think you could expect, and maybe you've heard, like, it's been really hard for us. Like, emotional breakdown, and he's not just crying, but it's like the uncontrollable sobs. And he's like scream crying, like snots all over his face. And then, you know, just like, all right, well, we gotta let you go. And like, he's like clinging on to dear life. And, you know, the teacher's just like, you just gotta let him go. And, you know, for us, it was, it was hard at first. And eventually we're like, well, it's good for him. Let's just, we gotta go, right? And, you know, eventually after a couple minutes, he would stop crying. But, um, you know, when we picked him up, you know, we were, we're driving back home in the car and you know he's relieved that, that we, we got him like it's like jailer or I don't know what it is for him and um, he then asked us like do I go to school tomorrow and we're like yeah it's like no I don't want to go to school right and we're like Logan like you have to go to school and he says no I don't want to go to school and he says I don't want to go to school I don't want to go to school I don't want to go to school I don't like I'm, I'm it's very annoying right <laughs> but it's literally a 10 to 15 minute drive from from the school back home then we get home, and then during dinner, you know, Kat's cooking dinner, I'm cooking dinner. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to, like, how do you get him to stop? We're getting ready for bed. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. Okay? Like, reading bedtime stories, like, I go to school tomorrow? <laughs> we wake up in the morning. Good morning, Logan. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. Breakfast. Leaving the house on the way to school, it's just nonstop, you know? And in some ways, we're like compassionate, and in some ways, we're just like, yo, we know. <laughs> so we asked him, you know, Logan, wh why, why don't you like going to school? You know, like, school's fun. You get popsicles, there's water day, there's crafts, there's friends, there's your teacher, you learn about God, you know? And, um, what we learned that is his, I don't want to go to school really meant I don't want mommy and daddy to leave. And then we asked him, Logan, why do you cry when, when, you know, every time we're like driving there, entering the parking lot, like drop off, like, like, why do you cry, you know? Um, maybe it's a rhetorical question for a three-year-old, but, you know, we asked anyways because we're just interested in seeing if he can articulate it, right? But he says, I'm crying because... hilarious. Um, I'm crying because mommy and daddy are not there. So, sorry. For him, there's this real detachment that he feels. That one strong connection in family and home. At that point of drop off, right, it's a great loss for him. It's a great loss of security, of love, of purpose, of peace, of identity, dependence, and joy. All those things he had. And then it's gone. <clears throat> and when it's time to go get him, around five-ish, um, I've only gotten him maybe like five times. Cat usually goes like pretty often, um, just because I have work and stuff. But for, in my experience, 
you open the door, you know, like we make eye contact. And then he like kind of like speed walks or he just runs to us, right, with this urgency. And then he'll like tear up, you know, usually. And what I sense there is that there's a connection that we had that is restored at that moment, right? And as a parent, I'm so fulfilled that there's this raw desire to abide with me again. It's a reflection of our deep relationship that we built over that time. So in that moment, you know, he's not coming to me because I told him I was going to bring him a treat, which I did. Because I told him I would bring him the juice box or a toy, right? But he's there because I know it's for me. And I think that that is a really like micro tiny glimpse of Jesus' heart when we choose to abide in him. So my prayer is that as we abide more in Christ, more and more over time, our relationship with him would naturally deepen. And that when we are not abiding in him, we would feel that same detachment, that same loss that reveals our actual dependency and desperation that apart from him, we truly feel we cannot do anything. All right, so our third observation of Mary is her posture, Mary's posture. Mary's physical posture of sitting before Jesus reflects her heart the posture of her heart, that she's desperate, right? That she's teachable to know her Lord with a deep love and reverence. I believe Mary's posture is like Peter's desperation for Jesus in John 6. We read this verse last week, but it's a great review today. John 6, 68 through 69 says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Mary's posture indicates that she is teachable towards her Savior. <clears throat> A description I think would be fitting is Psalm 25, 4 through 9. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So some application on how to be devoted. Um, same thing, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Like we, we really need to not just assume we're doing okay, that we are faithful, right? Take a step back. Evaluate if you're really devoted through these three observations, right? Identify what are your current priorities. Evaluate if your purpose is to abide in Christ or not. Reflect upon the posture of your heart, but also your mind, your body. How are your emotions? How are your thoughts? How are your actions towards Jesus? Just like how 
when you are distracted, when we are distracted, right, and our outlook is tainted and twisted, and we see God and others in ourselves, right, in contrast to that, when we are devoted, our outlook is aligned to how God sees each of those things because we are abiding in him. We are abiding in him and his commandments. And then a small nuance I just want to, to address um, is this just mentality, right? Mary was devoted. That was this description um, of her sitting before the Lord. She, she didn't do devotions, right? I think we have heard this, this terminology before, right? And I want to make this distinction and I hope that we can shift some paradigms in, I don't know where it came from, um, you know, like doing our daily devotions or our QTs, right? Like that's like a thing now. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's been in, in other forms and we just term, like use the terminology this way, but um, the shift that I, I'm trying to, to suggest here is that instead of saying, I need to do my devos, we would just speak to God and say, God, here's my devotion. You're my priority. My purpose is to abide in you. God, posture my heart so I can humbly receive what you want to teach me today. And if we are not there, then let's directly confess to God, right? Like, God, where is my devotion? Help my unbelief. Help my lack of love. Help me see your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy. <clears throat> Church, we, we, we got to be devoted disciples. That's what God calls us to be. Instead of trying to do devotions, right? We, we want to remember that life is about in having an intimate relationship with God and it's not practicing religion. We know that in theory, in intellectually, right? But like, do we live that out? That was our, our personal application. Um, I just want to do a, a community application, right? As a body, how can we respond to this? Um, I guess you could have accountability through some type of like new app these days, but that's not what the Bible describes. Um, accountability is critical to a healthy and growing faith amongst believers. And so, you know, if, if, you're, if you've been around, I'm pretty sure either you have asked someone, someone has asked you, you know, how's your week? How are you doing? I'm glad we asked that question. As a general question, I would say that it's very easy to just share, at least in my experience, right? That I'm just trying to recall what's at the very top of my mind. Like, uh, oh, I did this yesterday, or like work has been on my mind, so I'm just gonna share about work, right? And I think we, we kind of have brought this from here and there, but I wanna encourage you to follow up with that initial question, right? With more specific questions that leads that person who you're talking to to reflect upon their devotion. Whether it's Devotion to Jesus, devotion to something else, get them to think about it. Some example questions are, what would you say have been some of your priorities lately? What would you say have been some of your priorities lately? It's not the first thing you say to them, like, hey, what's up? Hey, what are your priorities lately? You know, you work, it, you work into it, right? But the point is that we get there. Another question is, did you have a purpose to abide in Jesus this week? Why or why not? DG questions, right? 
they should be everyday questions, right? Uh, tell me about the posture of your heart towards God or, or something else. I know that this, these may sound very unnatural initially, uh, but it's the nature of spiritual conversations, right? Like, it's unnatural because it's infrequent, right? These sound abnormal to an unbeliever, but to God's people, this is very much our regular interaction. So at least it should be. Okay, let's wrap things up. Um, many times I've read this Martha and Mary passage and um, I know the punchline. You know, I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. Jesus makes that corrective point, right? He, he corrects Martha. And like, as I said, I'm Martha, so I'm like, yes, right? Jesus got me. Um, and it's good, and it's good, right? He's, he, I, I read it as like he's rebuking Martha, which he is. Um, this time, and I was like kind of studying the text, you know, I was thinking about it, and I think that Jesus is speaking truth and love, and at the same time, God cares and disciplines his children. He speaks to them in a way that they, he wants to lead us and build us up to be Christ-like. So I hear him saying, Martha, Martha, my child. John, John, my child, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I wanna point out that Jesus didn't criticize serving in itself. That's a good thing, right? Um, He did not dismiss Martha's thoughts or emotions either. In fact, he actually acknowledged them directly. You were anxious and troubled. This was in order for her to see that her purpose and priorities needed to be corrected. So as much as, you know, the bulk of the sermon is very much about being distracted, being devoted, you know, I don't want the takeaway to be, guys, we gotta get our spiritual disciplines in, in line, right? We need to follow these examples, right? This is how our theology is based upon, right? That's not the main takeaway of just like, less Martha, be less distracted like Martha, be more devoted like Mary. You know, I think that we can just kind of be like, all right, John, let's do it. Ultimately, I want to point out that I think we need to listen to Jesus's point here. His point is that he is our Lord and Savior We are to be devoted to him. And so when we often wonder, you know, from time to time, like, God, how how can I honor you? God, what is your will for my life? We ask others, what is God's will for my life? I don't know. I want to know this answer, right? But almighty God, creator of the universe, who out of his great love and mercy who sacrificed himself for us responds to say, my child, one thing is necessary. Choose the good and better portion, which is to abide in me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. We are just humbled and we desire, God, to sit at your feet, to hear your teaching, to abide in this moment, to respond, God, 
in prayer. God, if you have stirred up within us a conviction to pursue you, to draw near to you, God, would you just pour out your grace in this way? Apart from you, we can do nothing. We cannot do anything, God. Jesus, I pray that our evaluation, our examination of our hearts, of our faith would be true. That they would not be deceived, we would not be deceived by Satan to think, God, that we are devoted in, in ways of um, yeah, we feel comfortable and we believe that lie. But I pray that the spirit of truth, would you speak to us through this week, this week in this time as we choose intentionally, God, to abide in you. God, thank you for inviting us to know you. Thank you that you have extended and initiated, God, salvation and a relationship and it's not just one time time and time again God your mercies are new so I pray that there would be a transformation in each of us that can only be done by the spirit so that we can glorify you that we can recognize it's by your hand, not by our willpower, not by our ability to do devotions, God. Jesus, this will be a lifelong marathon, so help us to see that. Help us to persevere and when we know or we feel that we are not abiding in you, we recognize that disconnect, that loss of our relationship, God, that separation that we have gone astray. But again, your mercies are good and new and Yeah, your grace is amazing. And so we want to turn to you in response, God. Call us again to be devoted disciples. In Jesus' name, pray, amen.